0: In B2B, your biggest competitor, particularly in this environment, is status quo. You need to be talking to some of your current customers and prospects to understand where they're at now so you understand what is it, what are their priorities, what is it that they need. So that has to be done now, full stop, because you need to understand where things are at right now. Some of those key things will be decision makers, decision-making process, strategic priorities, budgets, and timelines.
1: Welcome to Top of Mind a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. My guest today is a B2B customer specialist who has specialized in helping startups and small businesses to acquire and retain their business customers. He's the author of Listen, Innovate, Grow, and an advisor for Startup Canada. Join me today. I've got Michael Haynes on the line.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Before we get rolling, I, I do want to define a few acronyms because I find there's nothing more annoying than listening to someone speak and then they, they drop an acronym and never yeah. define it. And then they keep going for their whole presentation and you're like, what do they, what are they? I'm learning a lot, but I don't know what I'm learning about. (laughs) So the two ones I specifically want to mention are B2B uh, and B2C. So do you want to help me to define those two, those two key markets and then we can jump in from there?
0: Sure, sure, Stu. So B2B is all about selling your products and services to another business. So let's say you're a graphic design company and you're selling your graphic design services to a consulting firm, an insurance company, or bank. So you're selling your services to another business. That is B2B. If you're manufacturing, let's say automotive car parts, uh, which you are then selling to a, uh, car detailing company, which details cars for, let's say, sports racing, you're selling from one business to another. So you're selling your product to another. That is what we call B2B as opposed to business to consumer where a business where you take any business, you know, a cafe that sells to you and I when we get our morning coffee. That's business to consumer. The fundamental difference, too between B2B, so when you're selling your products and services to other businesses, one of the fundamental key characteristics is that, unlike with business to consumer, where the person buying is user, is purchaser and user, in B2B, the people who make the decision and the people who actually use the products are not one and the same. And so... You might be that graphic design company selling to, let's say, uh, Bank of Canada. And so the buyer of your graphic design services might be, let's say, the senior VP of marketing. But the actual users might be the marketing coordinator for personal loans, the marketing coordinator managing the campaigns for business banking loans. And so that senior manager is one who will decide whether we're going to go with let's say, ex-graphic design company in Toronto versus a a graphic design company in Vancouver. But but he or she may never actually use the product, may be involved in actually receiving the services, but the actual users are going to be those marketing coordinators and campaign managers who are working with those graphic design on a daily basis it's a simple uh, distinction but it's very important because in terms of when you are looking to sell your your services either for the first time or you're looking to renew contracts you have to understand the needs of the buyer okay those decision makers and making sure you're meeting their needs because those who are in the boardroom making the decision often have different motivators drivers. And requirements from the ones who are actually to use my graphic design example, those that are running the campaigns and you know uh, uh, working on the ads, those kinds of things.
1: Right. We're definitely going to get back to the needs of the buyers because that's a huge piece that anyone, everyone should get better at. There's no, there's no limit to how good you should be at that. But another key distinction that I like to think about too is. in a B2B setting, you're often not spending your own money. You're spending the business's money. And so even the mindset is slightly different. Like You're not using your personal credit card to buy a coffee. You're actually using the company's money to buy a $20,000 contract that is going to give you something in the future.
0: And and Stu, that's a very good point that you raise. And even though you're spending someone else's money, quite often uh, with B two B, it's big dollars, big risk. Mm-hmm. If that senior, you know, head of marketing who's looking to spend funds with a marketing agency, that's his budget. There's going to be implications. He has to deliver on the getting those right outcomes for those campaigns. If he doesn't deliver, there can be big ramifications. Uh, in terms of performance and meeting objectives for that campaign, there could be implications for himself in terms of his career performance review. So there's often a lot of key, a lot of uh, strong consideration when making those business decisions because there are huge implications. And in this post COVID environment, even more so now mm-hmm. business decision makers are very risk averse. They're very keen on watching their budgets. What am I getting for in terms of my return on that marketing investment? How is it really going to help me? What is it really going to help me achieve? And is that the best use of my funds, limited funds that I have?
1: Right. I think that uncertainty is going to be even more of a bigger, uh, even bigger consideration post-COVID. Can you, sp- can you speak a little bit more to that, sure. the the differences between that you're seeing now with the decision-making process, now that there are even more budgetary and time constraints because the horizon is just so uncertain at this point?
0: Sure. Uh, Stu, so look, the B two B, particularly when you're trying to sell your products and services to the bigger end of town, so those you know large organizations, they represent a lot of opportunities. But in B two B, the decision making process. Can be somewhat challenging because you do have a number of buyers, a number of stakeholders involved in the buying decision, and they will have certain things that are on their objectives, whether it's around strategic priorities, price, efficiencies. So there tends to, there tends to be a degree of cautiousness, and people will really want to be quite certain what they're, what they're getting. Uh, The level of trust and skepticism can vary. I've seen some studies that particularly in the IT sector, there have been some studies done where overall that business buying, the level of trust and skepticism around product and service providers is rather low. So that was pre-COVID. All those elements still remain. But now what what you're seeing is there's a high degree of uncertainty and business buyers, those decision makers are looking for, they want decision confidence. They're fundamentally now looking for, I would say, four key things. They're looking for insights and advice guidance as to what should they be doing to both generate revenues now in the short to medium term, but also position their businesses for longer-term growth. They want actionable solutions. So if I'm going to be spending money now, what is going to be the return? How is it really going to benefit me in terms of that revenue generation, helping me uh, pivot in the right way and be positioned? Business buyers now are very much looking for uh, being able to collaborate. So being able to talk with peers, being able to talk with industry experts to, again, get that guidance and direction as to what should I be doing? What are the right things that I need to be doing? And they don't want to be sold to. So they don't want any pressure to be having to make decisions. They want to be able to do things on their terms. And there's a high degree now of, yeah, proceeding cautiously, trying to be risk averse. And yeah, just being able to take time. But it's really that decision confidence to know what to do next and to really be sure that they're taking the right steps and they're going to get the outcomes that they really need at this point in time.
1: So knowing that that the all these decision makers what they're looking for us as marketers we can now try to to adjust our positioning and adjust our messaging so that we're not selling to them but we're actually being helpful towards helping them ease some uncertainties through Absolutely. content or through your ad campaign or any 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 ways you'd reach out.
0: So I just like to add. I- great points that you've just raised to, and I'd just like to add to that. It is all about being helpful because what business buyers are looking for, they're looking for a trusted advisor to help them. So in terms of marketers, in terms of businesses generally, and this is where I believe there's a strong, a really good opportunity for small and medium businesses to step up. It's really about being that advisor. So it goes beyond from a marketing perspective. It's about providing the right kinds of content in terms of information advice. So show them what are the alternatives in the market and you know, what are the different trends in the market and things that they should be doing and why they need to be considering, let's say, implementing a certain kind of, let's say, systems processes or certain IT methodology why they need to be doing so in terms of how it's going to help their business. So providing that guidance around trends and solution alternatives. Another key component is service and support and implementation support. So if you are, let's say, an IT provider and you want a, a, you're want you trying to sell into one of the banks and you want them to take on, let's say, one of your new project management systems into the organization, you need to have as part of your selling the implementation plan as to how are you going to help them integrate that into their organization. So in terms of what are you going to provide in terms of training, onboarding, helping them implement, how are you going to support them where things go wrong? You need to be able to demonstrate that up front. Because again, Stu, it's all about decision maker confidence. And in B2B, your biggest uh, competitor, particularly in this environment, is status quo. I didn't know you before Mm -hmm. this meeting, and I've been doing things Maybe it was manually and not the greatest way. You need to demonstrate why change, why should I change now, and how that outcome is really going to help me, and how are you going to help me on the journey. It's all about decision confidence that uh, it's the right solution, it's going to give me the right outcomes, and you're going to help me get the right outcomes. So Stuart, I would say, therefore, it's more important. It's not just about, it's no longer around just around advertising. Your content has to be helpful content, that the kinds of content that those decision makers are looking at which might be case studies, it might be demonstrations, that implementation plan. It could be white papers, market trends, comparative studies around the different alternatives in the market and what are the shortcomings, the pros and the cons. So it's really about providing information guidance and support, being very helpful. That's a key, it has, has to be part of your selling. And so it means that marketing has to be done across the organization, in terms of all elements of the company, trying to deliver value in accordance to those buyer needs.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And and I think people forget that the customer support emails, the uh, follow-up mails from, cha- from the sales team, your website pages, like every touch point you have is your marketing and branding uh, that you're developing over time. And if you're not... Aligned internally, that the customer success team needs to be the, to use your words, the trusted advisor role. Like the persona of our company is to be a trusted advisor. So you can't have your customer success team all of a sudden jumping in as the the know it all and just like hounding them with like, how do you not know that? How do you not know that? Like if there's misalignment between your your messaging and then all of a sudden the execution, uh, I can see that being a big issue.
0: Yes, and so and so to that point, Sue. There needs to be a lot of, as part of as businesses now are trying to gain more revenues from their current customers to try and pursue new customers. You need to do some upfront planning, which starts with really listening to your customers and understanding the customers, the buyers, the decision makers, and understanding who those people are what's important to them and you have to provide that helpfulness, some of that planning for that service and support, customer success, you have to demonstrate and show that up front. You can't wait until when something goes wrong. Right. Because decision makers need to know beforehand, well, what if something goes wrong, how that's going to be? So you have to be able to address and demonstrate those things up front as part of the buying process.
1: Let's let's dig into that listen that listen uh, portion a little bit more. How do you listen to your customer?
0: So listening to your customer, you really now need to be listening on three levels. So listening is all about, it's all about getting an in-depth understanding on three levels. You need to understand those markets that you're going after. So to use my graphics design company example, if they're going to be going into retail banking, you need to understand the retail banking industry. What are the trends? What are they focusing on? What are some of the key drivers and priorities? So that's about doing research, for lack of a better word. So it's getting onto the websites of the banks, looking at the industry studies by, you know, Canadian Banking Association, some of those, you know, white papers that you see, the likes of Accenture and so forth, and getting an understanding of those trends, priorities, and what's happening and where things are at. So that's listening to the market, as I call it in my book. Mm -hmm. Then you need to understand listening to the customer, and that needs to be done on two levels. So you need to be understanding from a company level. So let's say you're going to be that graphic design company wants to target the uh, four big banks. You need to be doing your research around Bank of Montreal, TV, Royal Bank, and understanding if you're trying to get into, let's say, retail banking let's say the student banking arm, understanding who's who, what are they doing, what are some of their challenges, what are they looking to do, where are things at right now, understanding things at a company level. But then again, you must, this is B2B, you must understand for your graphic design services and if you're looking to target and focus on millennial student banking, who are the likely people that are going to be involved in the selection of your particular product. That's where you need to start identifying who might be the potential buyers, decision makers, if I'm trying to target that student banking segment? So this is where going onto your company websites and looking at the org charts, some of their presentations, using LinkedIn, um, leveraging your, your, your business contacts and networks. If you've got uh, colleagues and friends in, the, in, that or, uh, in those organizations, going onto your banking websites, uh, looking at your periodicals because uh, you need to understand who those particular people are. Again, LinkedIn is a really good starting point for that. So you can understand what are some of their priorities, how they might be, what will be of importance to them and what will be potentially some of the likely things they're going to want to look at when they're going to be wanting to make decisions to buy from you. And so that's when we talk about listening and understanding your buyer.
1: The uh, I hear a lot in the B2C world that the research you can do is you look up a on Amazon, you type in if we're still talking about graphic design, but you're on the B2C side, you're, you're trying to teach someone how to do, be a graphic designer. You go cool. on Amazon and you look up graphic design book, and then yeah. you look at the comments. And that is how you figure out what questions your buyers have. Do you you know of any B2B versions of that? Because I think something that hangs up marketers is they just don't know where to look for those low, the the words that their customers are using because their customers are people. It's not like you're selling to a company, you're selling to a person. But, and they leave breadcrumbs here and there. Do you have any any tips on where to pick up those breadcrumbs?
0: So in terms of picking up those breadcrumbs, so let's say we're going to use that graphic design example again. First thing you want to be doing generally is identifying who are going to be some of your teeth Key target customers, so that who are the key company organizations? So you're going to be picking those. Then you need to be doing some research about those. So going onto those company websites, looking at the org charts um, to see uh, get a sense of who's who and uh, who are some of those names, titles, and roles that might be relevant. Um, When you're talking bigger organizations, often they may have presentations in terms of where they've presented to their boards and they talk about, you know, previous results, what they're doing next. So some of those, those presentations, annual reports can be a good source of information, intel. Also, things in the news. So if there's any news events and clippings of things that they're doing, where they've been featured, that can give you a lot of understanding of who are some of the key people. So that company website is often a very good place to start to gain some of those names, roles and titles and understanding where the business is at, what are some of the priorities uh, that are going to be of importance to them. Going on to LinkedIn, once you have some of those names and going on and looking up, okay, the head of uh, student banking is person X. Looking at their profile, see what they're posting, what are they reading, uh, what's their background, because that can also tell you where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. So let's say the head of banking was formerly head of finance. So then that could be an indicator, okay, financials are going to be a key important. To this person they're in a marketing role now but they have a heavy finance background we need to make sure that we can talk uh, boardroom metrics and that I'm going to be jumping on on the side here in terms of really tying in and linking with business buyers really tying into those key metrics that are important to senior leaders to business owners so talking revenues profits costs customer retention talking about things like leads you know, pay-per-clicks, those things, no one cares. And in this environment, no one cares, right? You need to be talking about things that resonate with business buyers, things that resonate in the boardroom. So we need to talk about revenues, average, you know, customer lifetime value, average customer spend, profits, cost, you know, length of tenure, how long we can keep customers. So those kinds of what I call boardroom metrics that business owners would be concerned about, those are the things that you need to be focusing on. Um, so those, yeah, so I would say company website and LinkedIn um, are, are probably two very good places to really gain an understanding, leveraging your networks where you can. Industry and professional associations will often give you a lot of good insight as to what's going on. They'll feature who are some of the key people. So those are some three key places to go. Then you also want to be thinking about, Sue, in terms of what do you, what are, what's the information that you need to know. So you know who you're going after, what companies. You can go on, do your research, LinkedIn, company website. But what is it that we need to know to be able to deliver? So think about what are some of the key things is around who are the decision makers, is about the buying process, is it around strategic priorities and initiatives. So make a list of what are some of the kinds of things that we need to know around the decision makers and the buyers. And some of those key things will be decision makers, decision making process, strategic priorities, budgets and timelines think about what of those elements that you don't have an answer to and then start to kind of draft out some of those questions to then see how you can go about filling that through your research and then also through having discussions with both people.
1: What's one of the biggest mistakes you see marketers at this point in the listening phase? We're still trying to absorb as much as possible.
0: The biggest thing I find in general, because I do a lot of work, um, as you said, with startups and SMEs, is there's not enough listening. Full stop. That there's just not enough listening. And the listening is not solely to the marketing department. It needs to be done from a cross-functional perspective. Marketing and sales need to be involved in this. and I'm going to say it needs to be done across the organization. But the biggest thing is there's not enough listening involved. They spend very little time, and there's not enough getting an understanding from around a buyer decision-maker perspective as well. So you need to spend that time. And it does take a bit of time. It does take a bit of work. But you have to have that understanding. And in this environment, you need to have that depth of understanding of where those companies are at, where those decision-makers are at today. What are their priorities? So that needs to be the first starting point, I think, for every company. Because even even if you said, yes, Michael, I've had discussions um, with, company X back in February the world has changed from February to now even from April to now so really you need to revisit in terms of if you've got your current customers identify who are some of those priority customers who do we think those decision makers are and you you need to do some of your research and check back in to see where they're at now what are their priorities what are their objectives because that will then help you frame what you need to focus on is it You know, your content marketing, how you need to change that. Is it something about your service levels? Is it your service offering now? You know, maybe the graphic design company has to come up with, you know, smaller packages, smaller offerings, new payment schemes. That will help you identify where you need to pivot. I'm not a fan of that word. But by having that understanding, that current understanding, then you'll know what you need to change around your product, your service and support, your marketing. What are those different elements that you need to change so that you will be relevant and you can start generating revenues in the short term? And then we can start thinking about longer term.
1: Is there a way to to know if you've collected enough listening, if you've listened for long enough, or is is this an ongoing process?
0: Listening is an ongoing process. But again, I think it starts with some bit of upfront thinking and planning of who do you want to be? focusing on first, where are your best opportunities that you want to be focusing on with your current clients and customers? And then what is it that you need to know about them so you know to how, how to move forward? So make a list of your key customers and prospects. What are the things that we need to know? And again, some of those key things, again, who are the decision makers? Because that may have changed, you know, lots of reorganizations, hiring and firings. So who are the decision-makers now? What's the buying process? Because that may have changed, it may have become much longer, and that means understanding what are the priorities, what are the kinds of things they wanna be looking at. So decision-makers, decision-making process, budgets, um, priorities, timelines, those are some of the five initial areas that you wanna be thinking, that you wanna try and gain some understanding of through some of that online research, but then also really having some of those discussions getting and having some initial discussions with uh, one or more of those stakeholders is very, very important. And I highly stress uh, doing those discussions face-to-face, either be Zoom or where you can get in, into a meeting, because having those face-to-face discussions is all, again, about decision-maker confidence and trust. And by having those discussions, you can start picking up those cues where you can be probing and understanding what's really of building that trust, building that rapport, and confidence.
1: Nice, and you can you can sit in with the sales team. Like the sales team is always on the phone talking to people to try and understand what the timelines are like. It, I think that's. I mean, for me, I know I I try and preach it, but then it does become difficult to actually get on the phone with a customer. But ask your ask your sales team to to record calls, and then you can you can re listen to it and get the words from that.
0: Yes, I I agree with that. I think, though, in this environment, really, though, marketing and sales have to work together. And when we're talking small and medium businesses where they don't have such as big marketing and sales teams where trying to get that alignment and collaboration is so difficult, with small and medium businesses and with startups, it's much easier to do. Marketing and sales need to work together. So both should be involved in those sales calls, in those discovery meetings, uh, so that they both have a full and complete view of customer needs, buyer needs, so that they can work together. So marketing can say, what is the content that I need to provide to support buyers, to enable those decision makers uh, that you can feed to the sales team and so that you're working together. So the two need to be working together. And I'm going to really say um, startups, small, medium businesses, there is no reason why you can't do so big corporate it's often a nightmare but that's ideally and that's how you can win because if marketing and sales can work together so you're providing the right kind of content and then the sales team is continuing on with the relationship and delivering and supporting that's how you can win and Stu, in this day and age the old saying of no one gets hired gets fired for hiring ibm those days are over i've worked in big corporate and i can tell you big corporates, the bigger end of town, are quite open to working with smaller organizations, those that are good at what they do, that are the experts, that can advise them and can deliver. So if you can work well together, marketing and sales and really deliver to support and be that helpful advisor and partner to your uh, prospective customers and clients, you can win and you can win big.
1: Once we've collected enough information and now we want to identify and prioritize what our next steps are, what what does the innovate step in your in your book talk about there?
0: Okay, so innovation and so one of the things I want to clarify. So innovation, I talk about business innovation. So business innovation is fundamentally um, to use the word of two thousand of twenty twenty pivots. It's all about pivots, but you need to think about pivots on two levels. So it's all about to making changes and or new introductions into your into your your organization and in. Business innovation, or in terms of the pivots, you can do that from five perspectives. It could be around your products and services, including the service and support you provide. It could be in terms of your marketing, so introducing new kinds of marketing strategies and approaches. It can be organizational innovation in terms of uh, strategic partnerships, alliances, It could be around your processes as well. So it's all about, based on your listening, so understanding what's going on in the industries that you're targeting, what's going on in those companies that you're targeting, by talking to some of the decision makers and buyers that once you get a sense of where they're at, what are their priorities, then you can then determine, based on what you're hearing from your customers, from those decision makers, what are the areas that you need to be working on? Do you need to, let's say it's your marketing and you need to be revising your marketing program to, let's say, get more case studies, more client references, and start being able to provide those? Then that's a marketing innovation. That's a pivot you need to start doing. It could be around your service and support that you need to be providing more uh, service and support plans. You know, How are you going to help your customer uh, Onboard your IT solution, use your solution. So that could be a pivot and in innovation. It could be you might need to develop a new service, a new product and service offering. Let's say the graphic design team might develop a new bundle uh, offering, let's say around marketing technology. So they're going to partner with an IT firm, so and create this marketing IT bundle. So you have a new product offering to meet the needs of your customer, and then you're also doing organizational innovation because you're partnering with someone else to deliver a solution to meet customer needs. So it's all about what are the things you need to change either in the short term to kind of get things happening, but also to position you for the longer term, which I think all businesses are going to have to do now that we're coming into the new norm, but it's all based around customer buyer needs.
1: Right. And so so if I can rephrase that, so we're testing, we're, we're From the listen portion, we're we're thinking of new ideas, we're recognizing opportunities to serve the customer better based on the feedback they've provided you. And then you're creating small but tangible tests that you can actually implement and see how they respond. And then if it works successfully, then you can kind of roll it out in a bigger way. Or if it uh, doesn't work, you are still receiving feedback that you can kind of learn and iterate as you go.
0: Absolutely. And look, with some of, a lot of the feedback you're going to be getting, it will be about implementing. Because, for example, you might go and meet uh, that graphic design team, might go and meet that financial services company, and the director will say, we, we need to see some case studies. We need to see how you your graphic design team has worked with other banker, ba- banking companies for student banking. So we need to see some case studies. We'd like to have um, some references of other clients that we can call. So, Stu, in that case, automatically, and let's say you hear that similar feedback from four or five of your key current customers and prospects, then one of the new pivots, new innovations that you need to do is to start developing customer uh, customer references. So, developing some customer references that those prospective clients can speak to. You need to start developing some case studies. So, those are some new pivots and innovations that you're going to just implement likely right away because you're. Customer needs are identified that this is something that they need, and those are kind of low-hanging fruit, relatively low risk. When we're talking about new products now, that's where you're probably going to be wanting to test and do a bit more of a beta in terms of, okay, we'll develop a pilot offering and, and test it with some customers. So it'll all depend on what the needs are in terms of how easy, how important they are, how easy they can be implemented.
1: What's the timeline like on this? I know it'll be different for every business, but do you have a recommended amount of time between listening and then implementing? Like, you don't want it to be you want to, you want to dance that line of short term results with that long term strategy that you're trying to work towards.
0: Okay, well, speaking of the context of this environment, I think everyone needs to be doing some listening. You need to be talking to some of your current customers and prospects to understand where they're at now, so you understand what is it. What are their priorities? What is it that they need? So that has to be done now, full stop, because you need to understand where things are at right now. Uh, from those discussions, from doing some of the online research, you'll get a sense of where the focus needs to be. Then it's, you know, given that we're all looking at trying to, you know, restart our businesses, generate revenues. Well, what are some of those short-term wins, those uh, priorities, well, those short-term opportunities, that like low-hanging fruit that we can uh, address? To help us gain those customers that we think we can bring on board. So, those would likely be your first priority. And so, those are going to be smaller pivots, smaller innovations, I suspect, around potentially making modifications around your service, doing some new marketing tactics where you're providing that kind of information, advice, guidance. It might be around some of your service and support, some of that low hanging fruit. Then you can, and that should probably be the focus um, for many organizations. I think for most organizations, then you can start looking at some of the longer-term growth opportunities. But it'll all it'll all depend on like, on the financial health and where the organization is at.
1: Are there specific signals that you look for before you move into that growth stage, where you really try and scale something that's working?
0: Oh, okay, <laughs> that's a that's a whole. Bit. Other discussion, but you really want to be making sure, I think, before you really starting to think about long-term scale and growth, I think you really want to be making sure your company is in a financial, you're in a good financial position right now. So I think first things about getting your head around the short to medium term and, and getting things starting right. there from that standpoint. But often by looking at the industry trends, what's happening in your the industry that you're going after, the companies you're going after, Uh, and looking at some of that market research and what are some of the trends happening, you'll get a sense of where the opportunities are and how, like, for example, given some of the changes we're seeing as a result of COVID, where are some of the opportunities? For example, in the technology sector, there are a lot of opportunities in technology now because, you know, the more more move to digital. So for the graphic design company, they'll be thinking about, okay, short-term, how do we, where are our quick wins that we can win with some of our current hot customers and prospects, but then we're recognizing, okay, the world is doing a lot more things in video conferencing, collaboration, we need to be on the pulse and be targeting some of those companies as well. So depending on the situation, you may be working on them in tandem, because if you're looking to target technology sectors where there's ripe opportunities, you may be, you'll probably want to be working on both.
1: I, that's I think that's super well said, and it is going to be so uncertain. And keeping in mind, we're talking about uh, the small businesses. You have the ability to be nimble, and yeah. you have the ability to go after those those the smaller opportunities that that a big company just won't even address because they're like we it would take us too long to steer the ship in that direction. You have that opportunity both as a marketing and as a sales, and then as a product side to jump at the opportunity to create Zoom backgrounds for <laughs> industry or yeah like zoom backgrounds for a company because knowing that they're going to be working remotely but that getting away from the covid examples like that is that's always going to be existing there's always going to be market shifts there's always going to be new stuff you need to be constantly listening so that you can see that those opportunities are opening up
0: absolutely and that's the one that you always need to be on the pulse so so that listening on those three levels of listening understanding the market and that doesn't mean to when i say listening to the market that okay we've got to you know spend our time buried in research going to you know the you know, university libraries going online but listening can be done now in many ways you know you've got lots of live streams you know there's tons of virtual events your industry and professional associations there's lots of information there your blogs your podcasts so by you know you know attending webinars sitting in on live streams, going to these online virtual events, seeing what the industry and professional associations are doing again in an online environment by tapping into these things. These are always how you are going to be listening and you'll be getting tuned to what's going on. Subscribing to a likes of Forbes.com entrepreneur.com, you know, setting up your Google alerts to getting information sent to your inbox. And so you're skimming those articles, doing all these things, listening to live streams, virtual events, your Google alerts. That's all listening where you're getting that information. So you want to take that information in, capture it, and in a small medium business and a startup, share that with the rest of your team and you know, be checking in to say, I'm very big now about having your 90-day your uh, sprint. So let's, let's collect what have we learned, what's going on, what have we heard, and using that listening to help determine what we need to do next.
1: And I mean, if you're going through all the work of of researching it, you may as well also put your unique two cents on it and share it and become a, a thought leader in that in that thing. It's also another signal of of just ex- experience. If you can talk about a topic, it signals that you may be a small business, but you actually know your stuff and you're doing the work and and putting a uh, finger on the pulse. Yeah, Michael, thank you so much for uh, going in depth. It's a lot to think about, but at the same time, it's actionable.
0: Don't overthink it. My advice would be in terms of getting started, if you've got, let's say, current customers, current prospects that you are looking to go after, start there. What do you know about them? You know, where are they at today? When's the last time you've had a conversation with those decision makers, with your contacts there? Start there and, you know, identify who are some of those key customers and prospects. Do some preliminary research, going online, see what's going on, and then try to set up that first meeting, that discussion check-in and start from there. Identify what you need to know. And yeah, make that as your starting point.
1: And this is all outlined even in more detail in your book, Listen, Innovate, Grow. Is that right?
0: Yes, that's correct. Which you can uh, get at your favorite bookstore, you can get it on Amazon, in print, uh, or in ebook form.
1: Awesome. And you can check out Michael's work too on listenInnovateGrow.com innovate, and, uh and hit him up on LinkedIn as well. Michael Haynes, and let him know that you heard about him through this. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stewarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real-life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.